0: a concept you guys are going to have to think about for a while. So this is New Year's time, and I know, you know, we, this is not going to be a sermon about New Year's resolutions, it's not, but just naturally as human beings, we come to this point and we think, ah, I get a new chance to start over. How many of you think like that? No? Okay. No? You won't take advantage of it. It seems like, though, that there's something new, right? So so how about if you're going to think about something, we all want one thing. Change, right? How many of you would like to change something about yourself or your life? Okay. Well, I'm going to, if you don't raise your hand, (laughs) uh, I'm going to tell you you're going to need to. All right? And, and how many of you would like to change for the worse? No, nobody wants to change for the worse. We all want to change for the better, right? We, we want, and guess what? God wants you to change too. Maybe now. So, so I'm going to ask you this. How, how, would, how do you change and why? How, how do we change ourselves? How do we change the things in our life And why? We all want to be something different. We all want something to be better in our life. We want, you know, and, and as Christians, we want parts of our Christianity our Christian walk to be better or change and be different or get rid of something we're doing or do something that we're not doing that we should be doing. And we look at that and we say, okay, God, I know I'm a work in progress, and you're always going to be. Now, I'm, I'm going to take some things for granted, like you've already accepted Jesus as your Savior, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But once you've done that, then you're just looking to be transformed by God, and there's always something that God needs to work on in your life. And so the question is going to be how, do, how, does it, how does it work out? How am I actually going to see God work in my life to change me so that I can get rid of the things that I don't want in there and He doesn't want in there, and I can be doing the things that He does want in there? It's a process. It's a process of God transforming you. We've talked about it a lot of times. So how about first thing is we take a spiritual inventory. I'm not going to ask you to do this out loud, obviously. Um, Think about it. Where in your life do you think God needs to change you? What thing? Maybe you have a besetting sin. Maybe there's some things, some characteristics in you that you say, ah, man, I've just been like this. I'm super tired of doing it. I'm super tired of being this way and thinking this way. I would really, God, can you just take this away from me? Right? We all have that. We all have that. And what's it going to take? You have to have changed your thoughts and your emotions somewhat in order to change your behaviors. Simply put, you need to think differently. That is the beginning of the change process. To, for God to transition you and transform you, you have to think a different way. You were born And pre-programmed to think like a sinful human selfish being. That's how you were born. That's how I was born. We're all born with this God thinking or this man thinking when we really need is God thinking. And so we have to have our thinking somehow changed in order to activate the change process in our life. We have to see things differently. We have to see our world, ourselves, God, everything differently through the lens of the truth of God, which is only going to be found in the Word of God. So I have to, if I'm going to have my thinking changed, I have to know where do I go to get the correct thinking. So first question I have to ask myself, am I saved? Do I confidently know that I am saved? Now I look around this room, most of you I know. And I kind of know the answer to that question. But maybe there's some people on the Internet or maybe people I don't know, and if this is a question that you can't answer definitively yes, then we need to take care of that. It's the most important decision a human being can ever make. How to be reconciled to God, and and there's a very simple process. We talked about it in last week's sermon. How do I be reconciled to God so that I can share my eternity with my Christian brothers and sisters, with God incarnate in the new heaven and the new earth? It's a very simple process. It's not an easy process, but it's simple as far as I'm accepting God's free gift of salvation through the work done by Jesus Christ on the cross on my behalf. So that's your first question. If you haven't answered that question, yes, then we need to go back. We need to go back to there, start there, because nothing else is going to happen in your life. There's going to be no other transition done by God until you are first reconciled to God. So that is the most important thing. By far, it's going to determine your eternal destiny. No question about it. Okay, so second question. In what areas of my life do I need to be more like God? Right? Because God has put in you... the the desire to be like Him if you're a Christian. And He's put within you His Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that. And that Holy Spirit is going to convict you when you are doing things that are not like God. And is God just trying to give you an impossible standard to live up to so you can feel guilty and shameful and defeated all the time? No. No. He says, look, I know and I have all that you need for an abundant life here. And it's to be like me. And I would like you to have that. And so I need to change you and fix you. You you are a work in progress. And I need to continue to work in you so that right now, right here, you can experience love and peace and joy and acceptance and security and hope and have an identity that works. All the things that you crave inside you, I have the answer for those things. I would like for you to have them. In order to do that, you have to be transformed from your selfish, broken unsaved self to be like me we see it in Romans right chapter 8 and those whom he called he also predestined to be transformed into the image of his son okay so that's that that's God's desire for you that is his job in you once you've been saved and so you have to think about okay what what do I have in my life what area of my life do I need God to continue to fix First of all, you have to really want it. You know, I was giving the kids an example of, okay, what if you answer all the questions right, you get to go to Disney World for two weeks or three weeks, and, but, but if you don't get it right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take away your screen time for the rest of the year. So God is providing some motivation. Are you motivated to change? Are you motivated for God to change you? How bad do you really want it? Or, you know, I'm pretty comfortable with, with the way I am. You know, maybe, I, I, maybe there's some things in there that aren't really working out the way God would like, but that's okay. I'm pretty cool. I know when my eternal destiny is secure. I'm just pretty happy just being where I am in my Christian walk. Hopefully that is not you because that's not what God wants for you. Not from you, but for you. God wants to give you the most abundant life. In order to do that, he has to continue this work in progress for the rest of your life. And I see this as kind of a spectrum, we talked about it in our ascent class, where are people on the spiritual spectrum of, you know, just barely a new Christian to, hey, I'm, I'm towards the end of my life and God's really done a work in me, and, and, and where am I at? I don't know, you guys all are somewhere, we're all somewhere on that spectrum. But I, I see somewhere in there, there's this kind of a tipping point place, and I'm going to ask you, question yourself. Because here's what happens most of the time, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are opened up to this whole new world, right? And we're really excited, and, we're, and, and, and God has done this amazing work, and we maybe see some things where he's worked in our lives, and I used to really want to do this, and I did it all the time, and now I don't, and, and, and we start out because we're human beings still, and it's mostly, what can God do for me? And can God do a lot of things for us? Yes, And and so we start out in our Christian walk, and we say, my main job and my main focus right now is just, God, eliminate the things out of my life that you don't want in there. You know, we had this old lifestyle, and it wasn't what God wanted, and so, God, there's aspects of my life i just want them out of there can you come in and cut that out of me and just take it away and that's primarily our focus in a first part of our christian walk is just god i just want to be more like you can you just take things away but there's a point in there hopefully that you're getting there or you've gotten there where you start to say yes that's always going to be the case but i've got to get to that point in my spiritual maturity where it's not about me anymore it's about serving god and serving others because God knows that that is where the abundant life really takes off. So Ask yourself, in your spiritual inventory, both what's in there that needs to be removed, but also, am I really living my life for God and others? Or am I still pretty much focused on what can Christianity do for me? Because you're never going to find that real unbelievable abundance in this life until you recognize it's not about you, that Jesus has saved you. And yes, your eternal destiny is secure. And yes, you have access now to all the things that God created you to crave, and God will supply those needs. But at some point, you have to recognize that it's not really about me. And I go back to the, to the Westminster Catechism the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy His love forever. But then, the, but then we go on to see in Scripture that, that in order to, to glorify God, we have to be thinking about others and how can I use what God has given me to help others love and know God themselves and serve them sacrificially. It it doesn't make sense. I'll grant you that. It does not make any sense that somehow I am going to be more happy when I stop thinking about myself and serve God and others. It doesn't make sense intrinsically. It's like, well, then who's going to take care of me? That's why Christianity is the upside-down kingdom. It doesn't make any sense from a human standpoint. So ask yourself, have I reached that tipping point where it's no longer all about me and what can God do for me and how do I need to be fixed, but how can I serve and love others? And I see that in this group. I have seen spiritual growth in that area, in this group of people over this last year where people seem to be more involved with one another, more available, more willing to step up, and help one another grow, and do things, and serve one another. I saw it at the picnic. I saw it at the memorial service that we did. I see it among you. Ask yourself, am I there yet? Has God got me to the place in my spiritual walk where I am starting to see others instead of just always looking at myself? God can help you get there. But first, you have to want it, and second, you have to recognize that it's a need that you have. And so I would suggest that we all use this beginning of 2024 to take a really in-depth spiritual inventory and figure out where, God, do I need to surrender parts of my life to you on a greater level, and where, God, can I find a way to love and serve you by serving others? If you really are interested in the abundant Christian life, that is the path. That leads to it. We need tools in order to accomplish this. If we want to change, we need tools. And so God, in his great wisdom, has given us some tools... Starts right here in Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and careful to obey my rule. See, God's in there and he wants for you even more than you want it to be different And he's given you the tools of change. If we ask ourselves, what is it going to take? And I know, John, you said that we talked about those things. God's given us some things, right? His Holy Spirit, the Bible, each other, and trials. We're going to talk about those things. But right here it's saying, look, I gave you what you needed was a new heart. You needed a heart transplant, and I did it. First of all, you needed a new heart. Second of all, you need help. And so I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, and he is going to cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Do you recognize you have that tool in you? That God says, look, I know you need to be changed. I am not sitting on the sidelines just telling you you need to be different, and waiting to see if you're going to respond. No, I put my Holy Spirit within you. I took out the heart of stone that that wouldn't allow you to be changed by me, and I put in a new heart that I can now change, that now is the center of your will and emotions, and I am going to work within you in my Holy Spirit so that you will want to and be able to follow the statutes that I give you. Okay, so what are our tools? A new heart and God's Holy Spirit within us whose intent and ability is to conform us to the image of Christ. You have that tool. Are you taking advantage of that tool? Second tool, or third, whichever you want to call it. um, I will put my spirit within you, which will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. How do we know what the statutes and the rules are. There's only one place. The Bible. Right, the Bible, because we believe, as our statement of faith says, that the Bible is the final authority for all faith and practice, and it is inerrant and unchanging and completely true. The lesson for the kids was truth is important. And why is it important? Because it has consequences, truth and consequences. In God's world, knowing God's truth is how you grow. Okay, so, so we're going to get there in a minute. God's Word, right? I'm going to put a new heart of, of flesh within you. So I, I had my heart changed. I had a heart transplant. I have the Holy Spirit. I have the Word of God, and we have each other. Okay, and so in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, and we're going to go all the way through um, to 16. And he gave the apostles, and he is God, gave the church, his bride, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And one of those is actually pastor. There is no such thing as pastor in the Bible, as hopefully you guys know that. I'm just another shepherd, more under-shepherd, who preaches. But this is what God gave His bride, the church, so that they could grow. And we're going to see why. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the entire body of Christ. Now, you say, well, well, I'm not one of those. Well, then we can go back to Corinthians and say, hey, we're all a body. And and you are are some part of the body, and you all belong to one another. And you all have a gift, and I've given it to you to grow the entire body. So, yes, He gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers... But he also gave all of you gifts, and you are a body part that is important and crucial for the functioning of the entire body together. And so ask yourself, what part of the body am I, and am I functioning the way God wanted me to do? Because if you aren't, you're robbing us. So he gave us a new heart. He gave us His Holy Spirit. He gives us one another with certain jobs to do to equip the saints for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, come together and recognize what is God's actual message in the Word of God, the Spirit of His truth, and we become unified around that in the faith and become full up with the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature to manhood to the measure and the stature of of the fullness of Christ. Be filled up with Christ both in knowledge and in doing. Be transformed to the image of his Son. That's what he said. And then in 14, 15, and 16, it says, so that, that." what's the purpose? Why are we being all unified together? Why are we using our gifts, gifts to grow the entire body of Christ into maturity so that we may no longer be children, spiritual babies, tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Do you think that is not happening? It happened all over. That people are perverting the word of God, the truth of God, for their own schemes, for their own means, drawing away the children of God, and God says, so that will not happen to you, I want you to grow into maturity so that you will not be led astray. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And so we're going to grow in Christ together. With all of the tools that God is giving us so that from whom the whole body joined and held together from every joint which is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's what we're doing. You guys came here. You didn't even maybe know why. You came here so you could be equipped to grow up in love so that we could build the kingdom of God here on earth and grow spiritually. Oh, boy, are we going to run late. Yeah, okay, so we have each other. We have this, pastors and teachers. Why are we doing what we're doing right now? Why do we have sermons? Yeah, okay. I mean, because this, this is just a, a model of church that's very popular, that I inherited when I came here, that the guys before me inherited. You come to church... You have some announcements, you sing a few songs, you have a sermon, you fellowship together and you go home. But there's an important part of this, right? And, and, and you, you guys recognize this is going to be a little bit different for me. This is kind of an introduction. You're going to get more of an idea of what it is we're trying to accomplish this morning. But with the very few exceptions, you guys know I preach expository from Scripture, if we're going to do something different here at the beginning of the year. Like we did last year, we, did the, we went through all seven points of our statement of faith. This year we're going to do something kind of similar for a reason, which I'm going to tell you when we get to that point. So all of these things are important, but why are we doing what we're doing right now? Right? Because my, one of my jobs, as the position that I have, is to help you and me see and understand and live the biblical worldview. That was the actual title of the sermon. How do we live the biblical worldview? Well, first of all, you have to know it, right? How how can I live it if I don't know it? And so this biblical worldview means I am going to Scripture for God's truth about every single aspect of my life and I'm going to let that permeate my existence so that it changes my thinking and my behavior. No apologies, I'm going to Romans 12 too. I can't be godly without having my thinking completely changed. I can't live the Christian worldview until I think the Christian worldview. How do I know that? says so. Don't be conformed to this world. That's the goal. No longer be conformed to man thinking, man behavior, but be transformed... By the renewal of your mind, by reprogramming how you think and see everything in your life so that you are thinking and seeing as if you are looking through God's eyes instead of your own eyes. Then, by testing, you can discern what the will of God is, His good, acceptable, and perfect will. I need my mind renewed. So do you. Part of what we're trying to do in the sermon time is take the truth of God's Word and have it fix the way you think. That's why we preach from the Bible, because I can't give you anything that will help the way you think that isn't from God. It can maybe make you feel better, entertain you, whatever. But but that's not the point. That's not the point of why we're here. We're here to have our minds fixed by God through his word. So we read and we hear scripture. Down in, well, down in, in Sunday school, adult Sunday school before church, Ken teaches and he teaches from God's word. And then we have Kids Jam, and we focus on God's Word. And then we have Contenders, and we focus on the biblical worldview in lots of different ways. And we have our gospel community groups, and they talk about God's truth so that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Thinking, you can't be like God until you think like God, and you can't think like God... Because your mind is broken. In fact, it says, what what does it say in Scripture? That that the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. So you you got a new heart. But that your mind is broken. And my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. God says that. I know my thoughts aren't right, and so I need them to be fixed. And so how do I do that? By the transformation, by the renewal of my mind to take God's truth and substitute it for man's truth. That's where I want to go. As a broken, selfish human being, I want to think manly thoughts. That is the reaction that I have. And those lead to selfish, sinful man behaviors. Those are the things that God knows is killing me inside and and is destroying my conscience and is causing me to not have peace and joy and and satisfaction and purpose in my life and all the things that God wants me to have in this life after he saved me. He knows that it's my thinking that's killing me. And so he wants to redo it. So, a a while back. So, once, once again, that is going to happen through the Word of God in your life. You can come here, except for today maybe, I mean we're, we're talking some scriptures. You can come here and maybe you're going to get 30, 40 minutes of okay Bible thinking and that is not enough. No matter what we do here on a Sunday morning, it is not enough. It is not what God has in mind for your life. If, you, if the only praying, if the only reading of God's Word is happening here, it's not nearly enough. If you truly want to be transformed by the truth of God's Word, you have to be in God's Word on a regular basis. Okay. You, if you want to be transformed, if you want to find the the abundant life, if you want to have all those things that God just has sitting there waiting for you to experience and have that he's already paid for with your name on it, one of them was salvation, but the rest of them is all the other things that your soul is craving. I've got those and they're up there and they have your name on. If you want them, you have to have your mind fixed. In order to do that, you have to be in God's word all the time. But that's not enough. It's very easy, I've done it, to read Scripture, check a box, and say, I spent this much time in Scripture, and then just, and nothing, or very little happened. How am I reading God's Word? I I gave you some things not too long ago. Four questions to ask yourself when you're reading God's Word. Did it inform me? If so, what was the information that was given? When I read something, there was something in there that God wanted me to know. What was it? What was this information that God wanted me to know? If I'm reading Scripture, am I just reading it to be done with it so I can just check a box? Am I just going through and say I'm going to read through my Bible in a year? Which is a great thing, by the way. I'm not trying to get get down on you for that. But, But I'm saying if you just read it so that you can say, well, by the end of the year I've read the whole Bible then you're not getting out of it the life-changing quality that God put in it. And so you have to start reading Scripture to say, God, change my life with this in order to do that. What is it telling me? There's something in there it wants me to know. There is a truth in there. The things that I'm reading, God did not waste any words in the Bible. They're all in there for a purpose. What is it? What is it trying to tell me? What truth... Is God trying to reveal to me, to you? You have to read it as if it was written to you as a love letter from God. What is he trying to tell me to move me into this abundancy he wants me to have right here in this life? Second. Did it instruct me? Okay, I have the knowledge, I have the truth. Is it telling me what to do with it in my life? There's things in there that say, okay, here's a truth, here's a spiritual truth, God is love. Okay, what's that mean to me? Well, you put it into into practice in your life. I'm instructing you how to use the knowledge. That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is just facts, but then I have to have the wisdom to put it to work in my life. And so, is, is this piece of Scripture that I just read, this passage that I read, is it telling me what I need to do to use the knowledge that it's giving me? Did it encourage me? Is God in there? He he knows we need this. Bad. I mean, he knows. He knows we need encouragement. Okay. Is it in there? Did it encourage me? When I read this, did it encourage me? How? And did it correct me? Whoa. We just, (laughs) we'll scoop by those. God puts some stuff in his word that's convicting. It's very easy for us to just go on by because we don't like that feeling because it is Uncomfortable. I read some stuff, and I'm like, God, you're really speaking to me. Can I just gloss over that? I don't really want to be convicted of my sin. I don't really want to be changed because I'm pretty comfortable in this life that I have right now. And so, but, but if God put it in there to correct you, unless you accept the correction, you aren't going to apply the correction. So as we read through, we're going to be reading through some things in this, in, in this year. We're going to be asking ourselves these questions as we read and as I preach. I'm going to be asking some of those questions. Spiritual eye surgery and mind surgery, the Holy Spirit is the surgeon, the Word is the scalpel, and I, as I said last week, am simply part of the surgery preparation staff. I can't fix you. I can't fix me. I can help you, maybe, by showing truth in God's Word that can transform your life and motivate you to take a look at it and maybe apply it. We're going to see how that happens. First, we need to build a proper foundation as we move forward. And there are some questions then that we're going to ask ourselves. Or actually, we're going to have six topics. So here's the deal, folks. In order to really prepare you for some life-changing transformation from God's Word, I think just like going back through our statement of faith to get a foundation and some basics, I want to give you a big picture view of six different areas in your life and about God. Okay, so the first one, six topics that we're going to, this is going to be, I'm I'm not promising six weeks from now, you guys know better than that. I'm going to say we are going to go through these six topics. How do we view God? Do I have a view of God that matches up with Scripture? How do we view ourselves? Do I view myself the way God views me, the way Scripture views me? Do I think of myself the way the Bible describes me to be? Oh, I don't really want to think that my heart is desperately wicked. Down deep, I'm really kind of a good guy. God? Hmm. Does that line up with Scripture? How do we view others? <clears> hmm. <throat> pretty much just as an annoyance? Or do we see them the way God sees them? Do we see them the way Scripture tells us we're supposed to view other people in our lives? Oops. How do we view our world? Do we view the world as something good, something painful, something to be scared of, as an opportunity? How do we see the world that we live in the way the Bible says the reality actually is? And then, how do we view our circumstances? I don't really like what's going on in my life right now. God, this hurts. It's painful. How am I supposed to look at that? How am I supposed to look at the blessings? How am I supposed to look at the challenges? How am I supposed to view all the things in my life that happen on a day-to-day basis? Am I looking at the circumstances of my life in a biblical way, or am I doing it in a manly way when I'm just angry and frustrated at my trials? For instance, am I viewing my circumstances through God's eyes or am I looking at them through my own? And then lastly, how do we view our future? Do I really have a proper view of how things actually end up? Which I'm going to need, by the way, and so are you, by the way, when things get really hard. And so we're going to look at these things from the bigger picture. I'm not going to give you a detail. If I gave you all the detailed biblical information about each one of these topics, we would be in here for two or three years. I am going to give you some very basic and important, crucial elements to each one of these things so that as we go through our time together talking about Scripture, we can be looking at it, the proper way, with some guidelines. When I examine God's truth, what should I know ahead of time so that I am looking at it the right way? Unfortunately, the problem is, well, we're going to talk about some of the challenges, but we have challenges when we come up to these things. And it is, why do we have such a hard time looking at things from a biblical view. And some of this, we, we, we don't have the full story, right? We hear Christian sound bites, and we haven't really gone through and fleshed out an entire doctrine that's given in the Scripture. So, so I, I heard this and now I, I, I think this, but I don't have the whole picture. And so I have an incorrect view of God or an incorrect view of myself or an incorrect view of others because I don't know the full story. Or we lack the correct perspective, We don't look at it the right way. How many of you remember, I've used this before, the story of the elephant and the five blind men or six blind men, right? They're blind, they go to the elephant, one touches the trunk, oh, the elephant's a snake. The other one touches the, the tusk, oh, the elephant's a spear. The other one touches his ear, oh, the elephant's a fan. The other one touches the side of the elephant, oh, the elephant's a wall. The other one touches his leg, oh, the elephant's a tree. The other one touches his tail, oh, the elephant's a rope. It's all different perspectives of the same thing, but if you are incorrect in your perspective, you are not going to find God's truth in your life. So I'm going to help you with that, but that's a challenge. And then what about incorrect expectations, right? And that's part of what we talked about last time too. If I am expecting something different, I gave you the, 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 uh, the example of the... Going into, you've been told ahead of time, this is going to be the honeymoon suite of a hotel, and it's got, it's lavish, and it has everything in there, and a full bar, and it's huge, and you go in there, and it's a Motel 6, and you're like really bummed. And then, but I tell you ahead of time, oh, I'm taking you in, I'm going to put you in this jail cell, you're going to be in here for a significant amount of time, and you're thinking, oh man, just a cot with a concrete floor, a little toilet bolted to the wall, and a bunk with no mattress. And then I go in there, and it's, it's got a bed, got a microwave. Bed's really nice, got a full bathroom, shower. Huh, I'm pretty happy, right? Expectations are big. Expectations are huge in understanding and experiencing God's truth for your life. You need to be looking at your life through the expectations that God gives you. How many of you have ever been angry with God because, God, I started to serve you, and this is what happens to me? you have an incorrect expectation. I read a really good book a long time ago, Disappointment with God. Um, I can't remember the author now. But it talked about that. Having an unrealistic expectation because I'm disappointed and mad at God because things didn't go the way I thought. He promised me. And then I came to find out He didn't promise you any of those things. In fact, He promised you you'd have trouble in your life. But I need to have correct expectations. And then I have to have an effective way of implementing change in my life. Those are the problems and the challenges that we face when we're looking at implementing true change. We have to have all the information. We have to have the correct perspective. We have to have the correct expectation. And we have to have an effective plan of implementing the change in our life. The Bible has all of those. And if we are going to live the biblical worldview, you are going to need to know those things. Okay, we had all these challenges. So we're going to ask ourselves through these questions. Ah, four more questions as we're going through. Number one, what is the real truth or reality according to Scripture? When we look at those things, we're going to be looking at Scripture. We're going to say, okay, what is the real truth or the reality according to Scripture? That's what we're trying to find out. What does Scripture say? What is Scripture giving me as truth? Second question. What's the proper perspective? Okay, we want the proper perspective. Third question. What are the proper expectations to have, and how do I implement the answers into our life? So, we need to know those things. As we're reading through Scripture, if we're really looking to change and live the biblical worldview, we need answers to these things. What is it saying? What's the proper perspective? What are the proper expectations that I should have? And how do I implement them? Okay. Those are problems. Um, The problem with having the proper perspective is we don't really want to know most of the time. The law of your mouth is better to me than a thousand pieces of silver and gold. I was trying to give the kids an, an idea... This truth is really important, the truth to answer these two false questions. Do you really want it? Well if I put some motivation in there that says, yeah, I'm going to send you to Disney World for three weeks, yeah, I really do, how about you? Do you really want to know the truth of God? Are you really motivated? Because the psalmist writer is, I think the law from your mouth, God, is better to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Do you treasure God's truth above everything else in your life? If you don't, you need to change the way you think, as do I. Okay, so then we have problems with this. Um, what, why would we have a problem with the proper perspective according to Scripture? Because most of the time we don't know it. Do our best to present ourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling the word of truth. If I really want the biblical perspective, I need to study the biblical perspective on life. Now, I know it's a hard thing to do. I know you get in there and sometimes, hey, I just don't understand it all. I I get in there and I'm not even sure what I'm reading half the time. I recognize that that can be an issue. We have a contenders program that will help you with that. A two-year Bible college education for free. If you say, man, I, I just don't, I don't I don't know all the truth, I'm having a hard time having the correct perspective because I, I'm only seeing part of it, I don't see the entire canon of Scripture, it's so easy, and I know I could bring up one topic after another of different things where people said, oh, well, well, the Bible says this, the Bible says that, and they have left out the entire canon of Scripture, and so they are only seeing one little part, and all of a sudden, well, I'm absolutely sure the elephant's a rope. Well... It sounds like it in that verse, but in the context of entire Bible, then I can put the full picture together and I'm not going to be diverted by something when I have a little sound bite from Scripture that tells me something I want it to say to start with. That's another one of our challenges. We have to enter our journey into spiritual truth by getting rid of our presuppositions and biases when we go in. I've always been told this is the way it's supposed to be. I've always heard my church always said this. The church I grew up in always believed this. Throw those out and go to Scripture with an open mind and let the Holy Spirit give you the truth. And sometimes that requires some study and help from others who have been in that journey for longer than you that maybe have seen some things in Scripture to help you. And that's why we have contenders. That's why we have this time together. But you need to go with an open mind that says, and God, I just want to know what you want me to know. What are the proper expectations to hold, and why is that a problem? All Scripture is God breathed, breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. The Bible is breathed out by God. It's infallible. And it is there to teach us, to reprove us, to correct us, and train us. All those things we talked about. What's the information? Teaching. How am I being corrected? Correction. How is it training me? The training. And then, and then, <clears throat> so, why is that such a problem? Why is it a problem for us to have the correct expectations from God? Because we don't know it. And so, all of those things are important. Uh, effectively implementing. So, okay, we have this plan. <clears throat> We're going to the Scripture. We're going to get God's truth. We're going to apply it to our lives. We're going to try to have the correct perspective. We're going to try to, to see where God is instructing me to do something. We're going to try to have the right expectations. And now, how do I let it change my life? Well... Some of our challenges to that are we have unconfessed and unrepented sin, and we are blocking God's Holy Spirit. Okay, I don't have it on here, but you know where I'm probably going to go next. Romans 12:1, Because I have not yet surrendered my life completely to God. We can go through all of the process of knowing God's truth, of having the right perspective, of having the correct expectations, but if we don't surrender our lives completely to God's Holy Spirit, we are in the way of being transformed. See, this is a a conundrum for me. I say, God, I believe you overwhelmed me and came and got me and saved me. That your Holy Spirit came in me and opened my eyes and opened my heart to the message of the gospel and you caused me and drew me to yourself and you brought me into reconciliation with yourself. Why don't you just do the same thing about changing me? Just overwhelm me. And if that were true... Then we'd all be way better. So there is something in there that allows me to resist. And God says, Look, I've got the, both the intent and the power t- to fix you. You have been given the ability to resist. I am waiting for you to give me, give it up to me before I'm going to do it. However, I will bring trials into your life to encourage you to do just that. But if you aren't surrendering all aspects of your life, you can know the truth, understand the truth, you can see it correctly and have the correct perspective, you can have the correct expectations, but it is not going to change you until you completely submit to God's Holy Spirit. So as you do a spiritual inventory of your life, Find those places where you're holding back from God. Maybe it's a bad habit. Maybe it's some sort of besetting sin. Maybe it's some attitude adjustment you need. Maybe it's some aspect of your character that you know is not of God. And you're hiding it or you're keeping it back and you're not giving it to God. Now is the time to let go of it and take it to the foot of God's cross where he died for that reason so that you could be rid of those things that you harbor in your heart. I am absolutely certain in the effect that God's word can have in my life if I let it. But I have to go through that same process that I just described to you. I have to recognize those areas. I have to look at it and make it mine. I have to study it so that I know God's truth in its entirety, so that I can have the correct perspective and the correct expectations. But I'm absolutely certain that God has both the intent and the power to fix me here. I have seen God working in so many of your lives over the last couple of years. I know He will continue to do that. And that, that we will all, as a body, benefit from the maturity that we will all experience if we just follow this particular process. And it takes some work, and it takes some intentionality, and it takes surrender. I am really, really encouraged by what I have seen over the last couple years in you and in myself. And I am really encouraged in what God is going to do. We're going to start this year looking at those six topics. How do I view God? How do I view myself? How do I view others? How do I view the world? How do I view my circumstances? How do I view my future? And we're going to go to Scripture to answer each of those questions and give you the correct facts and perspective and expectations so that you can implement those things into your life and live the biblical worldview. Let's pray. Father, you are the author of our salvation. I am so, so incredibly thankful. I know, I can see... my long walk with you, how impossible that would have been on my own and how horribly broken I was, and I know what you had to pay to buy that back for me. But I also know you're the author of change in my life, and I need to submit myself so that I can not only be saved, but also transformed back into the image of your son so that I can experience all you have for me right here today. Help me, Lord, to cooperate. Help me to lead others in that same path. Lord, we put this all in your hands, in the hands of your Holy Spirit, who has all of the ability and all of the resources to get the job done. We thank you and praise you in what we will see in 2024. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.